But I have this theory that guys swipe right on Tinder to everybody. They will keep swiping right until they get something that they have a match with. We'll tell each other, okay, for the next 10 swipes, we're swiping right, whether we like the person or not. We're just trying to get a match. I was, like, very careful of who I swiped right or left because I wanted to be like, if I do go on a date with this person, I want it to be worth my time. But then you very quickly have to get over that because they're not always going to match with you. And then you're just sitting around waiting for this person to match who you thought maybe you had a lot in common with. So you kind of get over that hump and then it's kind of like a numbers game. I really don't have a desire to flip through it all day. It's a lot of work. And then it's like, you know what it's like? It's like combing through tangles. It's like your comb hits something and you're like, okay, let's check it out. And then you brush it out and you're like, nah, okay, that was a few hours of my time. But when you're working 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, or you have kids or you have a job or you have whatever going on, you actually have a life to go through that. It becomes exhausting. It's almost like driving you to apathy. Today we're going to talk about swiping. We sure are. (laughs) Oh man, it's the most unique part about online dating that's sort of in the apps, um, this whole swipe mechanism, Mm -hmm. the most addicting and the most frustrating. I personally end up swiping left more often than not, almost out of habit. So you like, you'll swipe left and be like, oh crap, I, I didn't even like process what that guy looked like or yes. anything. Because I'm on so many and I see so many of the same people. I don't know. I think, I think at some point you start to get a little bit jaded. Like unless someone really gets your attention, you kind of just swipe left. Mm-hmm. Or if you're just bored, want to look at some pictures. So there is a, a time limit they recommend. Mm-hmm. And some apps actually have this built in. So they say, give yourself about five, 10 minutes to swipe and then put your phone away, switch to something else. Because after that time, you're not even really like thinking about what you're doing. It's just a habitual, like a mechanical thing you're doing. So apps limit your amount of likes you can do mm-hmm. every day so that you're sort of limited to the time that you can swipe. And it kind of keeps things fresh so that you don't get to that jaded state. <laughs> so you don't end up like me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I've also had plenty of times where I've swiped so much that I reached the end. Where it's like, I yeah. then have to update my preferences or there's nobody left. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen on several apps. And I think um, it's just it's because there's a finite amount of people. And once you swipe left on them, they're gone. Uh, they don't they don't show up again. Um, but I think I think we've discussed this is like, OK, Cupid is is different. You'll you'll see the same, you know, the same people show up again. It's interesting that you say that there's a time there's a time limit that they give you. Is is it also recommended that you read the whole profile? <laughs> I think so. I it's again, it depends on the app you're using. So some of them force you to like, you know, you, you're not just swiping through pictures. It's you're scrolling through text. And I mean, You can choose not to read it, I suppose, but it benefits you to kind of get a feel for what they're, what that person's about. Tinder and some of the other more like picture based ones, it's not required of you. And so people do get in the habit of just not even looking at all the pictures, just looking at the first picture and making a determination. I don't think that you can blame people for judging based on one picture. I am an advocate for reading the whole profile. I admit I don't do it myself too often, mm-hmm. but probably if you're looking for a serious relationship, you should. I think the first picture is still really important, regardless of what you're looking for, because you can't expect someone to scroll through 
you know, six or nine photos and focus on that ninth photo. So your first picture should, you know, as we, as we mentioned, should never be your, you know, like a group photo or something blurry or something unattractive or silly. Yeah, I think it's fair to, to judge on the first picture. I don't think we have a choice. I think our <laughs> brains, like as soon as we see that person, we've already made a determination. Everything else is just either validating that or trying to negate it. So I think regardless, that first picture has to tell your story in a positive way. This has to say, this is who I am. I'm attractive. I'm fun. I'm, you know, whatever you Whatever message you're trying to send. Yeah, like yeah. that first picture has to say it because if somebody doesn't get that from that, they're not looking at your bio. They're not scrolling through your other pictures. They don't care what your video shows you doing. Yeah. It's all about that first picture. Yeah. I've always used... Um, a photo where I am, it's, you know, it's a, a good portion of my face in the photo, maybe like 50%. And, uh, and I'm, I'm doing a big smile, you know? So it's only half your face? Well, the rest is other things. <laughs> but think about it. If your phone screen is, you know, a few, a few inches, if half of that is my face, that's enough. Is it half of your face or your face takes up half of the picture? My face takes up half of the, half of the picture. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's your whole face. It's my That's, whole that face. That was my confusion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, my, my face takes up um, about half of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, face, hair. It's a lot of hair. Um, and, then, and then the rest is, you know, like usually some fraction of my upper body, right? Because you don't want to overdo it with too much, too much face. It becomes overwhelming. (laughs) You know, nobody wants to see you up close and personal in HD for the first time ever. And typically, you know, I think we, and we've talked about this before, is that the smile is probably one of the most necessary things in, in that profile picture. It's just so inviting. It's so inviting. And, you know, now when I swipe and I see all of these frowning dudes, I just think, are you going to, are you going to yell at me? Are you mad? Why are you mad? Did something happen? Did you have a bad day? Are you going to kill me? Miscellaneous danger? I don't know. It's questionable. So like, you know, and then when you see people who smile and they, you know, they automatically look really inviting and they're having fun, they're happy. I mean, I think everyone's rules are a little bit different, but I think that you definitely should have more than two photos. And that's, and that's just more so of just like looking at the profile in general. You know, I would say I'd prefer if there's something in the bio, but like not really necessary. I guess it would depend on like which platform you're using. Like if it's something like Hinge, like, and if you haven't answered like any of those prompts, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like like that. I mean, you can't even take the time to like, you know, respond to a question on an app. That's probably not my go-to. You're pretty much basing, you know, your your match worthiness on attractiveness. If you're kind of like trying to weed people out or like, you know, you're swiping on certain people and not others. I think it's interesting when you have a lot of information available to yourself, like at the beginning, because there's certain things where you're like, you could probably look past some of that stuff. Like, you know, if you were to meet someone organically or like in person, but you know, like if I know someone's a smoker, I'm most likely going to say no. Like that's not something I'm interested in. I don't have a type anymore. Like literally like savor every flavor, taste the rainbow, whatever, all that shit. Every single person could be attractive to me now. My dating view was much more 
exhibited before, you know? And, like, think of all the people I could have been excluding because, like, I only like these types of guys who look like this and dress like this. We've talked about your profile picture and, you know, the, the do's and don'ts of um, your pictures in your bio. But how do you filter out who you're seeing? That's a good question. So different apps have different preferences that they allow you to pick from. Uh, location always comes into play. That's a big one, especially if you're in a city like Chicago where, um, you know, 11 miles out is O'Hare. I live kind of in a smaller area, so my selection in town is very small. So anywhere I go, it's going to be about an hour drive for me. It's all about convenience. I'm not just down the street. I can't just go meet up at a bar for a drink or anything like that. A lot of the apps will tell you how far the far away they are. Now, that's not always accurate, but if it says they're 6,000 miles away, they're not even in the same hemisphere as us. Something's amiss there, you know. They're, they're probably... In, in Russia or some other place, and now sometimes they can they can mask it. I've had a few people. It shows they're they're like five miles away, but obviously there's some way they got into the system that makes it look like they are. So location's a huge one. Yeah. Even though I mean you can set your lo- location you know a hundred miles away and cast this huge net. Is it so bad to think that you could meet somebody that's 80 miles away that's, like, the one? We don't live in a Disney movie, right? I mean, logistically, everybody works. Even if you work from home, you have to work five days out of the week or X amount of days. How are you going to travel 80... What, Rockford is, like, 90 miles away, right? Something like that. It's far. (laughs) Milwaukee is... is, Milwaukee's 90 miles away. Milwaukee's 90 miles away. It's... And it's in a different state. It's... I've gone to Milwaukee a handful of times in my whole life. I work six miles from where I live. I drink within three miles of where I live. Why would I date outside of that radius? And then certainly if you're setting your preferences to 100 miles, you're going to get airports... You're going to get people traveling through the state who are just at a red light swiping or in a gas station swiping or wherever they are, right? At a truck stop, at a restaurant. You're going to get all these people who don't even live in your state who would swipe on you. So I feel like that is preventing you from meeting somebody um, who you can actually realistically date. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I actually, I, I tried this. So when I was doing interviews for this podcast, I set my location to 100 miles because I wanted to get as many people as possible to contribute their stories. And one woman I met was in Rockford. And <laughs> I actually, like, we chatted for a little bit and we went out. And I drove out to Rockford to meet her for drinks at like 3 in the afternoon. And it wasn't a terrible date, but... You know, big cities like Chicago, New York, you know, the, the, the big metropolitan areas, you get outside the city limits, you're in the country. Mm-hmm. And so now you're dating somebody who's in a completely different world than you are. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, you guys are tour guides for each other's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, you're in the country just, I would say, f- maybe 45 minutes outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to go all the way to Rockford. Did you go to that one biker bar? They have the best brunch. 
I did not. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Next time. It is my favorite place in Rockford. <laughs> There's a lot of ageism in the gay community. Like, you know, if you're not 20 or, you know, or maybe early 30s, like, then you're too old. So aside from location, what other preferences do we have? Age. Age. Mm-hmm. Ooh. This one is... I mean, it's really a preferential thing as far as, like, you as a person. There's no real rule about, like, who you should date depending on what age you are. That being said, if you're on the younger side of things and you're looking for older guys, you're going to meet a lot of creepers. If you're on the older side and you're looking for people in the younger age group, you're either going to be hit up for money a lot or just faced with a, a world of disappointment. So you try to stay in your age group. A lot of this has to do with just how you relate to the world, right? Pop culture references, things you grew up with, presidents that you remember. You know, all, <laughs> all that kind of stuff really comes into play when you're getting to know somebody. Yeah. So what kind of range would you say is, is kind of safe? What works for you? Um, so I'm 33. So I swipe between 33 and sometimes, it depends on the app, but sometimes 41, sometimes 43. I think personally for me, usually 40 and up is a little too much. 33 and 34 usually isn't that fruitful either. I'm a big fan of the 36-year-old. <laughs> I feel like that's the sweet spot. I was having a conversation um, about this with, um, with some friends of mine on a group text, and they were talking about a couple, an older man, younger woman, and all we knew were, were their ages and, and we, were, we were told to give our opinions on it. And I immediately said, this is not okay. There is something wrong here. Something is amiss. This is not just an organic um, you know, meeting of the minds. The other argument was, look, they're two consenting adults, right? He's like 36 or something. And she's, I think it was like 23 or 24. Uh, you know, they're two consenting adults. So what's the problem? And in my mind, everything was the problem, but it wasn't because one person was taking advantage of the other, whether it was for money or sex or, or anything like that. It was your goals are probably very different at that point in life. And they're based on all the experiences that you've had. So if you've been on this earth for 36 years, you know a lot more than the 22 or 23 year old who has basically just been in school until now. And depending on where they live, I mean, certainly I would say most people are sheltered up until that, that point because you are protected from the world by either your parents or other members of your family, your academic institutions. Um, you have so many things provided to you or subsidized for you, and, and you don't know anything about how to cut it in the real world, how to interact with people. And you know, there's, there's so many life lessons that I know I've learned since I've gotten out of, um, out of, out of college and, um, and you know, sort of been on my own and seen the world. And I can't help but think that all of that experience and all of that wisdom puts you in a position where you don't necessarily take advantage of this younger, more naive person, but you're able to maybe manipulate them or set your own agenda. I don't think that it's a relationship of equality inherently. I just don't see that 
is happening. Your experience almost becomes a source of power for you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because your mind develops and you start to think differently. You surpass a lot of hormonally charged thoughts that people have in their early 20s. You can see things a lot more clearly. You know, you've been in the world, you know, you learn people. And once you learn people, you're able to work people, right? And certainly these older men who date these younger women are successful. They've done well for themselves. They, they understand the world and they've moved through it in a way that's become very lucrative. That's their success and that should be celebrated. But somebody, whether it's a man or a woman who is younger and fresh, you know, out of college, they just don't have that power. It works to the benefit of the person who, who just knows more. They just have more control in that relationship. And I think while, yes, they are consenting adults, if this younger person knew what the older person knew, maybe they wouldn't consent. In New York, I was living in Chelsea, which is a very gay neighborhood. And in, in uh, Chicago, I'm living in a very straight neighborhood. So I don't know if there's just not the amount of people or... Um, but it's just, it's very strange. And in, in New York, like every time you turn on Grindr, for example, it's like 100% different people. Every time you turn on Grindr in Chicago, it's like literally the exact same people always, all day long. So I recently talked to somebody who's from the East Coast. And it said, you know, out in like the D.C., Philly, New York area, people are much more interested in talking about their careers. Where in the Midwest... St. Louis, Chicago, Milwaukee. People are much more interested in talking about their hobbies. And so that's what ends up going on to people's profiles. You know, I do this for a living or I do this for fun and it's just this list of stuff. Does that stuff matter when you're swiping or should that come in later? You know, my first thought uh, when I hear something like that is that people in the Midwest are just a bunch of working stiffs waiting for the weekend. So that's what they want to talk about is how am I going to spend my weekend with you? Is it going to be fun or is it going to be lame? If you live on the East Coast, you know, whether it's New York or D.C. or Philly, your job is probably just a touch more interesting because it's kind of closer to a lot of big hubs where things are happening. And, you know, a lot of people who live in D.C., for example, are in politics. And politics is very interesting. It's like, you know, reality TV before there was any. It's like C-SPAN, right? You'd watch Congress yell at each other. So... It's, it's interesting, and I think that you don't, you don't really end up in large cities um, without meaning to. I know a lot of people in Chicago who love talking about their jobs. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty common thing, I would say, around here. But it is the Midwest, and it is the largest city, um, you know, in, in a large radius. So <laughs> understandable that people would want to come here uh, just because it's more fun. But I, I feel like... Certainly a city like D.C., if you, if you live there, there's a very specific reason that's related to your work. And you're likely to be more passionate about it, and that's why you want to talk about it. That's sort of my first, uh, my instinctual feeling about, about some you know, pattern like that. Certainly in my field, when I socialize with my colleagues, I actually don't like to bring a plus one or anyone who's not in it, because all we do is talk shop. You know, maybe you're tired of talking to your colleagues and you want maybe a fresh perspective. Maybe you want to talk about something that you don't usually talk about, a new topic, right? Or you want somebody to introduce something new into your life. Lots of folks are looking for adventure. 
That's that's a big buzzword. They're looking for new people. I think that the partners newness, in crime. yeah, partners. They're looking for a partner in crime. The I think the vanity of of someone new, the excitement, sometimes even the fetish of someone new, um, that can be very exciting. So probably that plays into um, why they want to talk about you know having fun because that's what they want to do with that person. And do you think people are looking for things that they have in common, or do you think that people are looking for new experiences generally? I would say that goes back to the age group. I've noticed that, you know, people who are in their late 30s and early 40s are looking for someone to fit into their lives because they are down to that, they've got that routine down. And um, I think people who are younger are more flexible with their schedules, with their lives, with the things that they like and don't like. With the things they have energy for, probably. That's, I'm sure that's a huge part of it. And I think, you know, by the time you get to your late 30s, you're either an active person or you're not, right? Um, or, you're, you know, you're somewhere in that spectrum and, and you found your comfort zone and it just becomes increasingly difficult to find someone who kind of matches up with you. So I think it has something to do with finding someone who you have things in common with. Depending on your perspective and what you're looking for, it could, it could potentially be something exciting. Maybe not like an addition to your life necessarily, um, that you need a new hobby or you need a new activity, but I think people are generally looking for things that are interesting and exciting. I don't think it's an accident that so many people strike out when you, yes, you meet more people, but if those people aren't necessarily aligned with if their core values or, or background experiences, I think there's a higher likelihood that people are going to have experiences that aren't necessarily what they're looking for. So based on my limited research, at least with females, it's the opposite. Really? It is women in their 30s and 40s are more apt to put in their interests. Here's all the things that I do. And they list all the things that they do or put in an emojis and they have to kind of decipher. It's kind of exhausting. It's a little bit exhausting. <laughs> um, women in their twenties tend to put things like, I just want to relax. I just want to be spoiled. I, I want to travel. Travel is a big thing with everybody. There's not as much like lust for life. Women say they want to be spoiled. Oh, Constantly. I'm so disappointed. Constantly. <laughs> I'm so there, disappointed. I, I will say there's a certain type of woman who says that she wants to be spoiled. Okay. Very, very attractive. Usually has a couple typos in her in her bio. Just pretty and dumb. <sighs> but there's a lot more of like, I'm just looking for someone to, to binge watch these shows with. I want to go to movies. Looking for somebody that loves take You know, the food is referenced somewhere. Whereas I feel like people in their 30s and 40s, maybe it is like that, like death's a little bit closer. And so you're like, oh, shit, I have to go out and do stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just something I observed. So when you're swiping, do you look at interests? Does that matter to you? So one of the reasons that I don't like apps where people go away and never come back is that sometimes I swipe according to mood. But also, you know, I'm at certain places in my life, right? Um, if I am, if I know I'm going to be taking a job in another city or another state, uh, then certainly I'm not going to be, you know, swiping for something serious. Or if I just broke up and I'm just trying to stay in the game, sometimes it backfires. <laughs> you never know. You not actually, the thing is, you never really know what is going to be on the other end 
uh, of that. So there is, you know, that's the inherent excitement that we all love about dating apps. But I look at a couple of, of things. Um, I look at what's important to me. So politics are really important to me. Education is important. I was told a long time ago that you're never going to find every everything that you want in somebody. Um, you should have up to a handful of things that are very important to you. Uh, and so I kind of swipe according to to that because it's true. What if you if you're it's true that you know if if you're just in the mood for a hookup, you could go out and meet that person and fall pretty hard for them and it could turn into something something else i've heard lots of people talk about that happening uh-huh. yep. it happens. <laughs> i mean it happened it, ha- it has uh-huh. happened to all of us uh and and we're better for it um <laughs> so i think it's important to stick to the things that are important to you you never know who you're going to meet and what's going to happen with that relationship and where it'll go i'm not necessarily looking for a relationship i'm not necessarily looking for a one night stand. I'm just looking for someone I connect with and click with. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. In order for me to find that person, I just need to be open with everyone and anything. In terms of things I like read about and the things that like attract me in a profile, you know, grammar is really important. I know we talked about this before. Huge. I think it says a lot about your life and how, how seriously you take things. That ties into education level too, though. Uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'm just like, if, if we weren't as highly educated as we are, mm-hmm. we wouldn't give a shit about grammar. True. Yes. Yes. Um, it also shows how seriously you're taking this. A lot of men don't know what they want, and a lot of men are influenced by what, what you want. It has to be just a, my age or a little bit older than me. Someone who has, I know it sounds cliche, but someone who has goals, who um, has a career in mind, is very family-oriented, someone who cares about their mom and dad. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, but it's really hard when you read their profiles and they don't really say much. You know, we were talking about our our profiles. It it's it's important to know who you are and represent that. But certainly, when you're looking for someone or something in particular, it's important to know what that thing is and how to recognize it, um, and how to weed out all of the other stuff, and um, somehow at the same time not be too exclusive with things and sort of you know keep your mind open. You know, like I said, I was I was taught to care about a handful of things and sort of let everything fall by the wayside, everything else. Because, you know, you can't expect everyone to be, you know, incredibly attractive or, you know, have X amount of money or this, you know, whatever it is you're looking for. Ideally, not everybody is, you know, a prince and I'm certainly no Meghan Markle. So everyone has their flaws and and you have to like be okay with that. But there are certainly deal breakers out there. Um, politics being a, a hot one right now. Absolutely. Religion, less so. I think people are becoming a little more accepting of other religions, but depending on your family situation, that could be a big one. Um, bad habits, smoking, yeah. drinking, mm-hmm. drugs, that kind of stuff. Um, baggage. Well, they're just habits. Let's not say they're bad habits. Smo- everyone knows that smoking causes cancer, but um, People drink in different volumes based on their body size. You know, it's acceptable within a certain range. Marijuana is legal in many, in many states and has been shown to have many benefits. 
So let's not say that they're all bad. The illicits are, are horrible. We'll say that. Everyone knows kind of what the hot button issues are, what the sort of deal breakers are. Kids, divorced, drama, you know, all that stuff. The quicker you can weed people out based on that kind of stuff, the better. You don't want to be on a first, second, further date and find out, oh shit, you're a Republican. Or, oh my God, you actually believe the earth is flat? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like the relationship has nowhere to go from there if right. you're dating somebody that believes strongly the other way. Someone once told me a story about how she had a date scheduled on election day in 2016. And on the date, you know, she's she's left leaning and she found out on the date that, that he was conservative. So she's not only feeling frustration for like the country, but she has a guy that she can take it out on. I mean, she, it was I can't even imagine. <laughs> how either of them must have felt. It was, it was, um, it sounded terrible. Oof. <laughs> yeah. So these are things like, I mean, this goes back to the profile, but these are things that people are looking for when they're swiping. Mm-hmm. If you're a Trump supporter, just put, put the red hat on, take a profile picture, put it in there, <laughs> let people know right away because otherwise you're just, you're setting yourselves up for disappointment. I agree. I think I think in this political climate, it is important to let people know what your political leanings are because it is a deal breaker for most people. There's a lot of guys who are very open about being conservative, um, being very Christian, or being you know very religious, whatever. And I appreciate that actually. I mean, it's it's pretty wonderful um, because then I'm not wasting my time. Yeah, not for you, not your thing, but like at least you know. I don't know if you guys have had this, but so you know you, uh, you'll get a match. So it's evidently somebody you swiped on, and you'll go back and look at it. And this does not seem like someone you would have swiped on. So you don't know. I don't know if you got into a trance and you were just swiping right. I have done that out. so many times, Mike. Yeah. I sw- I'm honestly convinced there are there are the bait and switch people where they like have this picture, and then the second you match, they go change all the pictures. <laughs> oh my God, really? Oh, somebody did that to me yesterday on Bumble. He just yeah, had some pictures theory. on there, and I was like, all right, well, I'll talk to him. After we started talking, he filled in his profile, so it says something casual, and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not yeah. joking. I am not joking. I am not joking. And I'm like, oh, I felt I felt a little bit, like, betrayed. Yeah, they'll oh, sneak dirty. that in there on you. People are sneaky. You got to watch out. I felt really dirty, actually. Definitely there are some guys where their profiles are clearly they just want to hook up or whatever, and that's, and that's fine. Teach them. But then there's ones that where they're more substantive and guys that are really very looking for a quality person. You know, I think that there's this dating fatigue that occurs uh, when you just consistently end up with bad dates or a handful of dates and they don't go well. There's a lot of folks that we've talked to who have just had multiple first dates for a long time. It gets really tiring and you get really discouraged and it's a really emotional state. You know, you get very like rejection is really powerful and it can influence many parts of your life. So I would say this is a way in which you can prevent yourself from hitting dating fatigue um, to make sure that you're dating people who are actually viable partners in whatever you're looking for. Even if you're looking for a hookup, but you refuse to hook up with someone who has um, a different you know, political perspective than you, then you should know that before meeting them so that you can maintain your own sense of hope 
and a healthy perspective with dating and you don't end up just swiping left on everybody doesn't matter i mean sometimes i don't even see their faces i just it doesn't even load fast enough and i'm just going <laughs> i mean whatever they'll come back they all come back i feel like i know everybody in the city now i think i've been recognized i get that feeling too <laughs> right it actually happened to you <laughs> yeah. i think i've been recognized and i know that i have recognized other people oh, out in the city yeah yeah and sometimes it's like a mutual like oh it's you <laughs> That means that your photos are true to, you know, real life. It's what you look like. What do you do when you run into somebody that you actually know on a dating app? Like a coworker, a friend, family member. Do you acknowledge it? Usually I don't because I like my privacy. I've seen bosses and, you know, people who are above me on the ladder who, uh, who are looking for interesting things. But. I love that. I love when you see like that side of people. You're like, oh, I know your secret. I now. always feel like I'm invading their privacy, and I'm not doing it. So I just, I just swipe left and move on because you, they can do their thing. I'll do my thing, you know. And and the good thing is that if they do swipe right on me, just to see if I swiped right on them, which is you know recognition, they see that I didn't. So at least they know that I'm respecting their privacy. I think when it crosses into, you know, those professional boundaries, you have to, you know, behave really respectfully. Because this is what everybody does now. And they're allowed to do it. That's their personal business that they do in their free time. Yeah, I mean, it's no different than, like, seeing somebody out on a date at a bar that you happen to be at. Like, you give them a quick nod, but, like, you're not going to go interrogate them and say, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Who are you here with? Like, it's their life. I don't think I've ever seen someone out in the bar who I know. Well, it's partly because nobody hangs out in bars anymore. (laughs) No, but I don't think I've ever really run into someone that I know randomly. No? No. So I did. um, And I was dating a girl who I worked with that nobody knew we were dating at work. And we were out to dinner at a steakhouse and somebody we worked with was there. Mm. And so we're both like trying to like put a menu in front of her face, try to hide We'd like check in with him every now and then. Like, is he still there? Is he looking? <laughs> Does he know us? So the whole night we're like trying to hide from this guy. Had we been like opening openly dating, it wouldn't have been a problem. But because we were like keeping it secret. Yeah. It was an issue. The thing about these apps and the photos that, that you put up, anybody can screenshot them. They can save them. They can manipulate them. They can do Send whatever. Your wife. Yeah. Uh, they can, they can do all kinds of things. Um, and I'm amazed that people haven't, you received, you know, random screenshots of their partners from dating apps. Uh, I feel like that's a, you know, that's like a public service. I've actually heard of certain companies um, barring people from being on social media um, for certain positions. And, and I understand that because um, it's getting a little, it's just a touch out of control these days. Just be aware that the stuff you put out there can be seen by anybody and can be then forwarded to anybody else. So... I would say stay away from the um, genital photos. <laughs> That's just good advice in general. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, unless unless specifically requested, and we'll just we'll keep saying it because this seems to be a big problem. It sure, it sure. Or is. a little problem. <laughs> just <laughs> until requested, don't send any pictures. One of my friends told me that she got uh, she got a picture of a guy's genitals. Actually, after meeting him in person, 
Not okay. even on a dating so app. So for him, like the barrier was down. Right. Yeah. There was no reason to send this. Oh. <laughs> like she, she met him in person. You know, they met at a bar. They exchanged numbers. I guess later that night, he sent her a photo of his genitals, but they were like propped up on a little pillow. Like a trophy. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> like a trophy. <laughs> I feel like you could, you could really break that down. You could deconstruct that. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Oh my but, God. uh, but yeah, the, uh, the dick pics are never a good idea. Never a good idea. It's terrible. You never know. You know, some people get text messages on their computers and sometimes you are presenting something on that computer to your team. <laughs> Sometimes it is your subordinate. Sometimes it's your family that's on your laptop. I don't like the majority of the things that are like red sort of flashing lights for this guy is not being genuine. You know, like the, the things like where like all of their pictures are like Instagram perfect. And then, oh, I like going on adventures. You know, like I don't want to ever go on a fucking adventure with you. Like I don't, no adventures. Like my idea of an adventure is you pay for my food and that's it. And so I like those kinds of people who are clearly trying to portray themselves in a very specific way are not my type. So I think that maybe saves me from a lot of that kind of issue. I don't want anybody to be attempting to to look like they're perfect. I think that's so obviously dishonest and boring that I don't like. It's just not. I just don't want that. There's always someone younger, hotter, with a bigger penis, more your type that is somewhere there. Here's what I've come to learn: there's a lot of lonely people. There's a lot of people who want to be in a relationship and want to be loved, but the whole um, swiping phenomena is actually dangerous because you get out of a date and I find you just keep shopping and it's like there's too much select. There's, there is an apparency of too much selection. There is a lot of selection. There's 7.4 billion people on this planet. There is no scarcity. But as a people with this social media craze, there, it's like a virtual life rather than real. Like, well, it's like going on. It's like going on a pay per view, and you just keep watching previews, right? Exactly. It looks, it looks good, but you want to check out the other previews. So I think that gives a good idea of sort of the mechanics of swiping. There's certain things that everyone's looking for. There's no real right way to do it, but there are certainly ways that are going to fatigue you and kind of make the experience suck. And Dating itself sucks enough. You don't need like the actual act of doing it to to make it worse. So give yourself some time. Know what you're looking for. It's always great to, you know, swipe on the things that you want. But I would say be realistic. That's an important thing to remember. If you're looking for something real, read the whole profile. That can change your mind very quickly based on what you read. And I think one thing that's super important is to not create a story based on a profile. This is a person with an entire life that you're unaware of. You can't create a whole story based on a handful of pictures and a witty little comment or a witty little bio, right? You you don't know anything about this person. So I would say ditch the preconceived notions. If they're attractive, if they're saying stuff that makes you laugh or you think is interesting, go for it. And have a couple of deal breakers because... Everyone deserves some. And, you know, go from there. 
So now we're going to take a little bit of a break from the mechanics of dating in our next episode and uh, lighten things up a little bit and talk about some of the culture that's developed around this really new way of experiencing other people. It's really great. I'm so excited. One of the dates I went on was a very nice guy who's a lobbyist for uh, an energy consulting firm and was working on like nuclear power energy or something like that. Very interesting. And we were talking about uh, our hobbies, our likes, dislikes. I told him that I had recently done, gotten back from the Peace Corps. And he said, oh, that was so interesting and something that he had thought about doing. And he was like, you know, I love, I love camping and I love being outdoors, but I just couldn't get over the fact of, you know, like living in a hut somewhere in a third world country. And I said to him, you know, how's, how's camping and sleeping in a tent for a weekend or for a week any different than living in a hut? And he was like, well, you know, there's a difference between first world dirt and third world dirt. And I was like, oh, this is not going to go any further than it is right now. <laughs>